Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Megan, this week we're going to talk about spring break. It's so encouraging to see how many people actually went away this year. It's a great sign that life is coming back to normal. How was Florida? It was a trip. Uh Uh-oh. I remember those days (laughs) where it's a change of venue, but not really a trip. I mean, not really a vacation. Excuse me. Definitely a trip, not a vacation. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We, you know, we're traveling with our four young kids who hadn't, been on a vacation in some time because we were pregnant with our last child, Charles, and then the pandemic hit. So it had really been a long time since we had been on a plane together. And so, you know, it was a lot of organizing the kids to get ready for the trip. And then the flight was, you know, the flight. And then, you know, we were staying with our in-laws who we haven't spent much time with because they're elderly and it it was a trip. So were you those people on the flight? We were those people on the way there and the way back. Oh no. What happened? Well, Charles, our baby, um, he screamed for the last hour and a half of the flight. His ears were bothering him. And so he was writhing in pain. He was so uncomfortable. It was so sad. Um, And then with about 10 minutes left in the flight, he fell asleep. And I feel like people were going to clap. They were all so happy that he was finally sleeping. So that was a journey. Oh, no. Yeah. How did did the other people on the flight react? Because that's always so difficult. I know you're just, you're feeling just as bad for the other passengers as you are for your child who is in so much pain. Um, you know, we got a couple of judgy stares from some women on the plane and the men were uh, around us were mostly supportive and the flight attendants were so kind and really tried to be as helpful as they could be, which was so nice. Oh, that's, that's great. But I can't believe that you got judgy stares from women. That's terrible. We all need to be supporting each other as, you know, everybody understands what it's like having a, I shouldn't say everybody, but many people, many families know what it's like to be traveling with a crying child. I know. It must be that you just erase those difficult experiences from your mind, or at least I'm hoping to forget that those flights (laughs) future, because otherwise I don't know how you'll get me on a plane with those four kids again. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you're erasing it from your own mind, from your own children. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) When I'm on flights now that, you know, my children are older and they're not screaming and crying, but if I'm traveling and I see families with young children, I totally get it. I have not erased those times. I can't, you can't really forget it because it's, it's really stressful. (laughs) It burned into your memory. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's not easy. And so how about while you were there, did the kids have a great time? 
they had the best time. They love being with their grandparents. And so it's been really hard for them to not have quality time with them over the last year. So we had lots of quality time, lots of time in their backyard swimming pool, um, going for walks, lots of family meals and sleeping in. So they really enjoyed their trip. Um, Lots of time at the beach, which was probably the highlights of the trip for me uh, was when we were all at the beach together. The kids had so much fun from, you know, all the way up from Will's age down to Charles. Charles loved, loved, loved sitting at the edge of the ocean, just playing with the sand. It was so cute. And the older two, William and Millie, were jumping waves. And the Gulf of Mexico, oftentimes the water's fairly calm. So they were able to really go out and swim and enjoy being in the water without us being too fearful about the undertow, much like the Jersey Shore, for example, where we go in the summer. Um, And Teddy was just collecting as many seashells as he could find and building sandcastles. So everyone was really happy and carefree. It was so nice. And how is the temperature of the water? So warm. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So yeah, we were uh, by the Atlantic Ocean and it's definitely different there. And the beaches do a great job of every day. And I think we talked about this a little bit on our last podcast, but just they're really good about the lifeguards going out and then they post the flags for the day and any warnings that there are for riptides or any of that going on. And so you do have to be careful and you have to know the open water that you're going to be swimming in. So it was great that your kids had some calm seas to be exposed to. Definitely less stressful for you and Larry too. Yes, absolutely. And he was out in the water with them enjoying kind of watching how much they've progressed. And, you know, it's so different swimming in a pool than it is swimming in the ocean. You know, one of the things that's different about the part of Florida that we go to is that there actually aren't beach flags or lifeguards. Um, So it's a very, very much like enter at your own risk um, kind of environment. And I I imagine that that it's because the water is so calm there that they don't invest in lifeguards for that part of the beach. Um, One of the things they do have, though, which is so awesome to see is life jacket stations. Before you enter the beach, you can take a life jacket, life jacket loaner stations. Um, You can borrow a life jacket for your trip to the water or and return it on your way out, which I love to see. Many of our partners across the U.S. have life jacket loaner stations, and I, I love seeing that program replicated because it's such a great way to bring water safety to your community. That's so great. Yeah, you know, I actually haven't seen any of those live. Oh, interesting. I'll have to send you some pictures. It's a great, it's just, it's so easy to do, right? You're just building a wooden, you know, station that can hold life jackets. Yeah, it's pretty great. So it's a great way to keep your kids safe if they are not comfortable swimming in open water. Um, And if you have young kids by the water, ensuring that they have that Coast Guard approved life jacket is so important. That's fantastic. And do they, I I imagine they have different sizes that they they offer as well. And, you know, probably by luck, but the beach that we go to, they're all organized by size, so nicely lined up. So, 
you know, fresh looking. So there's clearly some great community partners there that are taking good care of those life jacket loaner stations. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then how did everything work out at the house with the pool? Because I know you were really concerned about that as well for the yes. kids. Yes. So um, when we were last at my in-law's home in Florida, they had a four-sided fence around their pool. And so I was expecting that that four-sided fence would be in place. Um, my in-laws did some renovations to the pool. I think they thought we were done having kids, so they didn't think to consider putting a fence back up again. You know, the the perimeter of the pool is fenced by, you know, a, a, a big screen. I don't know what they're called. Cages of some kind. I'm not sure. They keep bugs and leaves out. Um, but we were all surprised by the arrival of our fourth child, Charles. And so um, when they asked us to come visit them, I assumed the fence was there. And my mother-in-law kind of quietly said to my husband, you know, we don't have that fence anymore. So my husband, God bless him, told them that we wouldn't be coming to visit them if they didn't put the fence back up. So we had to work some contacts and get the fence put up the day we arrived. Hours before we arrived, the fence was installed. So I was so grateful that we were able to make that happen. And it gave me great peace of mind while we were on our trip that that fence was in place. Oh, wow. I know. So you were able to get that in right under the wire. Yes, right under the wire. Um, it's, good got, that his, it's good that his mom secretly sort of yeah. whispered that in his ear. Yes, I know, that would have been <laughs> so shocking and upsetting if we had arrived without that four-sided fence in place. Um, but Charles loved being in the water. He loved floating. He just, it was such a great sensory experience for him. Um, and the older kids just loved being in the water too. So we felt like we had a great trip. And behind the house is um, a river that the kids were fishing in the entire time and just really enjoying being outside and all the different things they could take advantage of while they were down there. Oh, wow. So was there a barrier to the river as well? Oh, no. Another (laughs) thing to worry about. (laughs) Well, there's a barrier from the house to the river because there is this, I don't know how else to describe it other than a cage. So it's sort of a roof connecting to the roof of the house, to the sides of the house. So if you leave the house, you have to go through the four-sided fence, open the gate, open the door to get out to the water. So um, there wasn't a way for Teddy, uh, you know, our four-year-old to make his way out there um, without going through several layers of security. So, um, so that was great. We were super, felt super safe while we were there. And, um, bonus to being there was that uh, we were talking about bath safety a couple of weeks ago. Um, We didn't have the infant tub while we were there. So we bathed Charles in the regular bathtub with Teddy and it was so much easier to bathe both of them at the same time. And so that was a great victory that we were able to carry through with us since we've been home. So that was exciting. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. One last bath to give. Yes, One exactly. less bath to give at night. <laughs> Definitely. Any way oh to cut gosh. those down is a, a real victory on my end. An extra probably 30 to 45 minutes a night, right? Absolutely. And they have so much fun together. It was so cute. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad he's able to do that now. I know. He's really sturdy sitter now, so he can handle being in a regular bathtub. Teddy awesome. did, com- I will, Teddy did complain that there wasn't as much water as he would have liked, but 
can't please You're just going to have to fill the bath a little higher next time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, of yeah, course, so without- it was a great trip for the kids. Exhausting, you know, as a parent to have kids sleeping in new environments and, you know, constantly on alert because we had the four-sided fence, of course, but that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, wondering what cabinet Charles is going to open and find a cheese grater like he did at one point or the things that you don't think about when you don't have kids living in your house. So it was exhausting. We created a lot of great memories. I'm glad we did it. We might not be doing it again for another year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. You needed, you need a vacation from your vacation, right? 100%. But this is the busiest time of year for us. It's so hard to take a week off, let alone, you know, more than a week. So um, I was glad to get back and focus on work, I have to say. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) So how about your spring break? How was it? So my spring break was really good. Um, As you know, as the kids get older, there's different risks around the water because now I have a 16-year-old boy who wants to drive a jet ski. And in Florida, you actually can get your license to drive a jet ski at the age of 15. Wow. Um, Actually, you know what? No, I think it might even be younger. It might actually even be 14. But he got his when he was 15. And so you can go right online and you can get it and then you can drive a jet ski. And so that is really scary. But obviously, we're not allowing him to go on his own when he goes, he goes with my husband and uh, they go out together. And then, you know, there's new, there's new things that you have to think about as well with kids being on the water as they get older, not necessarily right now, but as they get older, they, you know, start drinking alcohol and experimenting. And you just have to make sure that you keep all these things away from your kids when they're around water. And interestingly enough, one of my daughter Sydney's friends lives on the water and this is not in Florida this is actually at home in New York and she just this past weekend she went to her friend's house and uh that you know since they're testing at school now every week they're doing pool testing there was a group of about 10 kids that went over to the house and they were hanging around outside but they were jumping into the Long Island Sound Oh my gosh, wait, so first of all, when you say pool testing, you're talking about... I'm sorry, so pooled COVID testing. Oh, so interesting. Um, So they're they're allowed, so because they're doing the weekly pooled testing for school, they all were recently tested, and so they were able to have a group of 10 kids together. And so... They had boys and girls together. They're they're in eighth grade, so they're about to graduate from eighth grade. And they were just having dinner together and hanging out on a Saturday night. And I found out afterwards that they were jumping in the water. And as you know, the temperature of the water right now is really cold. And so, of course, as a mom who has a water safety foundation, I said to Sydney, you know how quickly you can drown and have hypothermia in 
the water when it's that cold. And I said, I hope that you were telling your friends about this as you all were thinking about jumping in the water. And she just said, mom, I put my toe in the water and I was not putting my body in. (laughs) It was way too cold. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, as your, you know, as your children get older and they're having time with their friends and they're at their friends' houses, you never know what they're going to come across. And this was just this past weekend. Right. It's not even May yet. I can't believe they were, gosh, you know, and just like you said, as they age, the risks change, right? And so talking with kids about not drinking and driving, right? That's so ingrained in our minds, but also talking with kids about not drinking around open water or life jacket usage around open water. Right, exactly. And they were just innocently hanging around in the backyard on the dock. And some of the kids were like, hey, you know, I dare you to jump in the water right now. (laughs) And I got really nervous because I was like, don't tell me that it was dark out because that, you know, is even scarier. But fortunately, it was still light out when they were doing this. Oh, I have anxiety just thinking about that stage of parenting. (laughs) I know, I know. And so really, really scary and lots of things to think about because we know with the statistics as kids get older, the, the statistics of drowning in pools actually goes down and drowning in open water goes up. So we constantly have to be thinking about that and talking with them as they are going out and being, you know, having less time supervised by adults. Absolutely. It's really um, an important conversation to have, just as important to have with your toddlers as it is with your teens. So, you know, that's something that we try to remind parents of. It's not something parents um, of teens think a lot about. Um, You might have to put a life jacket loaner station up at your friend's house. (laughs) I know, exactly. I know. She and I are going to have to have a little follow-up conversation that we haven't had yet. (laughs) Um, Well, that is certainly an interesting situation. So when your kids are at the beach in Florida, um, I assume that's a lifeguarded beach? Yes, it is a lifeguarded beach. And so I constantly tell them that because they now like to ride their bikes to the beach without me. And obviously they know that they're never to go swimming without each other and to always be in front of a lifeguarded station. And so right where, um, right where they enter, there's a lifeguard station right there and they always have posted really well right when you walk in what the risks are for the day whether it's, you know, high winds or riptides or anything. And, and they have also, they announce really well that actually my kids are in the habit of going online and checking to see like, are the beaches open and, um, are there riptides and even, uh, are there any other types of risks being in the water? I was just about to ask you that. Is that posted somewhere? Is there a, um, like an app that you can use or how do you, how do they find that information? So there's just a local website that they have in the town where we are. And so they are really good about posting that information. It's easy to find. That's awesome. We have a partner, um, from the Great Lakes Surf and Rescue Project who talks about these three easy steps to helping yourself if you're in a rip current. Um, and it's 
it's really so easy to remember. I just feel like I have to share it right now. It's um, flip onto your back, float, and then follow the current, right? So um, flip, float, and follow until you can get help. And apparently, if you are stuck in a rip current, that is a way that you can easily, with not a lot of energy, get yourself out of one. Well, that's the other thing that they have posted when you're walking onto the beach. They show you how to what a riptide looks like, the direction of the water, and how to swim out of it. They oh, actually wow, show you. There's, wow. They have a picture. And I'm sure you've, we've seen it many, many times, but it's that actual picture that they show you of the direction that, it's, that, could, that it, the riptide could be going in and how you should swim parallel to shore initially to get away from it until you can come back in towards shore. That's great. Awesome. Very cool. Well, it sounds like it was a less exhausting trip than mine. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. When your kids are older, it is less exhausting. You have to be able to trust that, you know, you've spoken to your kids and you've talked with them about these risks. And Henry actually had an experience where they had man of war jellyfish and there was for some reason, there were many that were being pushed to the shores. And uh, they Henry actually ended up getting stung by one a couple of years ago. So he, and he ended up in the emergency room because of it. And not because he had an allergic reaction, but he just did have an immune reaction. But it took almost 24 hours before he reacted. And so now he he remembers that so well. It was pretty traumatic that he actually checks for the man of war as well, the jellyfish, every time we go to the beach. I don't blame so, him. That sounds horrible. So while I'm thinking about riptides, he's thinking about jellyfish. I don't blame him. I would be thinking about that too. Yeah, it was pretty traumatic. We ended up in the emergency room, which was fine. He was okay in the end, but it was scary. Yeah, I imagine so. Wow, he's had a he's had a, quite a few ER trips. Yes, yes, he just likes to keep me on my toes. Exactly. <laughs> just just add to your list of things to figure out. Exactly. Uh, um, well, that's great. How about uh, this summer? What do you have planned for your kids? Summer camp? What? So, fortunately, our our summer camp is going to happen. They're going to uh, basically turn sleepaway camp into a bubble for Sydney, my f- almost 14-year-old. They're going to test the kids before they get there and then test the kids when they arrive and then they'll quarantine the kids that come and should test positive and then they're just going to sort of keep them in this bubble for seven weeks because they want them to be able to have the experience that they missed out on last summer. And so far, it looks like visiting weekend for parents is not happening during that time. Um, They'll let us have a virtual visit with our kids, but so far they're telling us that they're not going to have us. Uh, There's a good chance, though, I think that that may change as many people are getting vaccinated. That's great. That's so exciting for her. I bet you she's really looking forward to that. She is really looking forward to that. And I also have a nephew who's trying to actually have his wedding. He's already changed it. I think twice. Oh, no. And so he's going to get married in Chicago on August 7th. So oh, that's hopefully, exciting. Hopefully we're going to be able to go to that as that well. That would be great. So nice I to know. see extended family. I know. 
been, a long it's been time. too long, yeah. too long. Good. Well, um, I know we at the foundation side are trying to figure out how to have Zach camps or some semblance of Zach camps. Um, it sounds like it won't be possible to have our full normal Zach camp experience again this year, but we are developing customized solutions for each club that is open and in person on a much smaller scale, but really just trying to make sure that, you know, we're able to provide funding for swimming lessons where possible and um, ensuring that our dry land curriculum is available for use. Um, And so, you know, the camp situation is so different dependent upon the location and the resources that they have to provide. Um, My kids are doing some local day camps around here and I know it will feel so much more comfortable this year because my husband and I will be fully vaccinated by that point in time. That's so exciting. And I think you also mentioned that your kids are going to be able to take some swimming lessons as well. Yes. As a reopening. Yes. Yes. Um, We have a great swimming lesson provider near us that has been closed for the last year and they are opening in May. And so we're really excited for Teddy to start taking swimming lessons there. And um, they're doing only private lessons for 30 minutes at a time. Um, so it will be an investment, but it will be a great investment in his future and his safety around water. So we are really excited about that and can't wait for, for that. I, you know, at another time, we'll have to talk about swimming lessons and the fear and the anxieties that our kids experience in getting ready to learn how to swim Um, you know, it's such an important thing for us as parents to do. And, you know, for me, I I started with my oldest doing mommy and me swimming lessons when he was a baby, um, you know, 10 years ago now. And so here I am, I still have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, anyway, we'll have to talk more about that at another time. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a full episode of conversation around that getting your children's swim lessons. So important and so many things go into it. I had a friend recently ask me, I'm doing mommy and me lessons with my son. Should I, am I supposed to wear my normal bikini or should I be wearing a one piece or athletic wear? What do the moms wear for mommy and me swimming lessons? I was like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, A full, a full scale of outfits are are worn for mommy and me swimming lessons. (laughs) For me, it was a one piece with a long sleeve athletic shirt on top of it, but everybody chooses something different. Yeah, it can be cold while you're in the water. Cold and your child is pulling on you and you, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're well protected. (laughs) In many ways. Yes, more ways than one. So Megan, I'm sure that you are feeling great now that you're back home because I know that you had a lot of preparation to do to get the kids and your family out of the house for your trip. Why don't you tell our listeners some of the things that you had to do because I'm sure they can appreciate all the details from masking to rental cars to car seat safety, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and the list goes on. Yes. Um, so, you know, for us, I felt like if I was really organized before the trip, it would be a lot easier. So I packed the kids' backpacks with, you know, both, I had them double masked for the flights. So I had them wearing a medical mask with a cloth cloth mask on top. And I had backups of each of those um, in their backpacks. I also packed 
the snacks that they each like. So they each had their, you know, own packages of their snacks that I let them just eat whenever they wanted on the flights. Um, and then, you know, ensuring that I had different activities, you know, the kids are all such different ages. Will at 10 was, it was almost like he wasn't even on the plane. Um, but for Millie and Teddy, they had their devices with their headphones. They had coloring books and crayons. They had little, little fidget toys that they could play with throughout the flight, which was really helpful in keeping them focused so that I could pay attention to the baby. Um, and then, you know, once we landed, we had to get the rental car and the car seats. And, you know, I wanted to sanitize everything before putting the kids in. Um, so, you know, really for me, I find that just making that organized checklist as I'm going into a trip, all the little things that you, you might forget about sunscreen and Tylenol and Benadryl and anti-itch cream and all of the things that your kids need, just making sure that I have all that packed and organized and ready to go, um, before traveling and with having a baby, uh, one of the things that I did was bring disposable puppy pads. You know, that some people when they have really small dogs have little puppy pads. I bought a package of those and used them for changing diapers in the airport, which I found to be, at least I felt like it was more sanitary um, and was a safe space to lay Charles down on. So, um, you know, for me being super organized, it makes me feel more calm going into the trip and it, things seem to go more smoothly, though there were a ton of details to keep organized. Yes. And you know what? You are such a, such an organized person. So I could see how well organized you were. And that was such a good idea about the, the puppy pads. Cause I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. I, I was I, just picturing putting, you know, the cloth, you know, diaper changing pad down on a dirty, I just, I couldn't, I just wanted to, I know it wasn't environmentally friendly, so don't be mad at me listeners. Um, but it was, it just felt like in the middle of a pandemic, the safest thing to do was to change him on that and then throw it away. Right. I know. I know we have to make choices and it's difficult right now. You want to keep your children well protected. That's for sure. And then for, your, for Charles, you didn't have to have him masked, right? Because under the age of two, you're not required to have a mask? No. So I guess under the age of two, your brain can't regulate your CO2 the way it can after the age of two. So they don't want children under the age of two to be masked. You know, when we started this pandemic, I was so fearful that my kids wouldn't be able to handle wearing a mask. And it really was a non-event for them. It is more, I don't like wearing a mask and I'm so happy to take that mask off when I get out of the grocery store or wherever I may be. Um, and I marvel at how my children can wear a mask for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day through gymnastics class and karate class and baseball fields and field hockey fields. It's unbelievable how unaffected they are by the mask. But for me, it feels so uncomfortable. So, um, when I told them they had to be double masked for the flight, they weren't thrilled. But once they had them on, it was, again, a non-event. I know. The kids are so resilient and they've gotten into the habit of wearing them. And so it's almost like they feel like it's missing if they don't have it on. Right. I know. They're I don't so even have to, to remind them when we leave the house to pack a mask. I mean, I always have a stack of extra masks in my car because one of my children can be a bit forgetful. But <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, in it's nice just to 
now when we, if we are driving around, I just keep a box in my car. So if we don't have extras, we've got, we've got them right there. We, if we forget to bring our cloth ones. That's great. I'm right there. So the other thing is I just read an article. They haven't really done a study on it yet, but in the New York Times, not yesterday, but last weekend, they were talking about how now if you wear masks, it can even protect you with allergies. So the pollen is not getting through the masks when you're outside, but also inside, um, it's protecting you from some smaller particles that could be affecting you. And so this could be something that people may choose to do there. You know, they may not be required, but it would actually be helpful, similar to taking an allergy pill every day, starting, you know, we, in my family, we start in early February where we start taking Zyrtec and we take it and it helps us to alleviate some of the struggles of spring allergies. But now they're saying that they're going to do more extensive studies, but there is some finding that they're helping as well. I believe that. Interesting. You know, I was talking with a girlfriend the other day about mask wearing and about the fact that, you know, I'm not unique in this perspective, but I think this really will be the way we operate as a country, even after we get through the severity of this pandemic. You know, I can't imagine going to, um, I'm a Philadelphia native, so going to a Philadelphia Eagles football game in three years and not wearing a mask. I mean, you just think about all the people yelling around you and just, <laughs> it just has really been so nice this year, not having a bunch of sick kids with different viruses that they've picked up at school. The kids have been so healthy this year. It's been so nice to have that element of worry eliminated from our lives. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, five years from now, how many people are still wearing masks. I know, agreed. And now we all know because of all the studies that have been published about the aerosols that when people are yelling at games where they're cheering on their teams that the aerosols go, I don't even know how much further than they normally go. So it actually, we've been educated about things we hadn't been before. So since we know more, we want to protect ourselves from it. And then I know some of the other things. So after you going back to your, your trip that after you got off the plane, you then had to get into rental cars. Yeah. Tell us about that. And car seats. A rental car. I had to pre-order when I ordered the rental car, I had to pre-order three car seats. Um, I needed a rear-facing car seat for Charles, a forward-facing car seat for Teddy and a booster seat for Millie. She's eight years old, but she's not yet um, tall enough or heavy enough to sit on a seat without a car seat. So in addition to sanitizing, you know, all of the instruments at the front of the car, the steering wheel, all the different buttons on the front of the car, I also had to go- The entire dashboard. Exactly. I had to install the car seats, um, ensure they were fully sanitized, and then wipe down the inside with, um, with different sanitizing wipes so that, you know- my neurotic mind would feel more comfortable about putting the kids in those car seats. Um, And then when we arrived at the house, I have to give a shout out to our friend Paul DeMello from Just Against Children Drowning, who stopped by the house uh, to look at the pool fence for us. Um, So that was super helpful and really did put my mind at ease. Paul, thank you for doing that. I know. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for helping to protect even our children. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
And I think with the rental car companies, right, they're not allowed to install the car seats for liability purposes. I think we have to do them. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? You know, they weren't installed for us. I don't recall if, why, um, but but we would have probably reinstalled them anyway, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they all um, do have to be installed a certain way. So um, we did install them and made sure that they were nice and secure before the kids got in. And, you know, it was about a 20 minute drive from the airport to our house. So it was a nice quick drive and everybody was happy and comfortable and in the type of seat that they're used to sitting in. So (laughs) it was the start to a great vacation. I still remember installing the car seats where I literally like would put my knee in them just to push them back far enough so that I could get it just as tight as it could possibly be. (laughs) Exactly. And you're, you're, you know, doing, you know, these crazy aerobic moves to try to get into these small spaces to make sure that, you know, it was a minivan. So it was actually pretty spacious, but (laughs) trying to get everything secured properly. You're in a full sweat by the time you're done, but (laughs) you feel really good about, um, about how that seat is installed and your kids being safe. So it's all worth it. So I think you gave some great tips to our listeners on traveling with young children, and hopefully they learned a few things about water safety around older children. And thanks for a great conversation today. Absolutely. Thanks to you as well. And really looking forward to chatting with you all again soon. I'm Megan Ferraro, the executive director of the Zach Foundation. And I'm Karen Cohn, the co-founder of the Zach Foundation. And we hope that you all have a great rest of your day. Yes. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends and your family and try to keep your community safe by ensuring that they all have access to this important safety information.